Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It is Monday, April 25th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Cal Boone is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon David. You have consent. When it comes to that like button, you, you always have consent. There's more of us. All right, Strong Jaw, it's been a, a great few weeks, really a, a great few months for North Carolina's basketball program, but let's just focus on, like, the past two weeks. First, Armando Baycott announced he is returning to Chapel Hill for another year of college basketball. Then the legend Leaky Black did the same. Then R.J. Davis did the same. And on Sunday, less than 24 hours ago, Caleb Love, one of the stars of the 2022 NCAA tournament, also did the same. So now it's official. UNC is returning four starters from a team that played for the national title earlier this month. That's not the only reason why, but it's certainly among the reasons why I have the Tar Heels ranked number one in the preseason top 25 and one. So you tell me, what do you make of Hubert Davis returning? I guess it's 80% of his starting lineup. Fairly significant news for North Carolina. Um, not not totally surprising, right? Like Amanda Baycott returning, I think was pretty significant. I, I actually think probably that Love's decision is maybe bigger for North Carolina than it was for Baycott because like where was Armando Baycott going? He maybe enters the draft, maybe goes late second round, but I'm skeptical probably would have been undrafted. Uh, Caleb Love, six foot four guard who can shoot it, has some handles like a heat check guy. I had him number 43 on the top 60, the big board for the NBA draft. And I thought, you know, probably staying and returning for next year probably would have boosted his stock more than just riding the end of the season and going into the in, in, into the NBA draft. Um, but you, you're not going to be able to replace a player like Caleb Love. So getting him back into the fold, obviously good news for North Carolina. Leaky Black, RJ Davis, Armando Baycott, and Caleb Love will be back. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Brady Manick gone. I think that's a fairly significant, probably somewhat overlooked portion of what they had last season. He was huge as like a stretch four. That is a really hard player or type of player to replace, I think, for North Carolina. But no question. I mean, Caleb Love, getting him back in the fold was huge. He averaged almost 19 points per game in six NCAA tournament games, had 30 points for CCLA, 28 versus Duke, obviously the legendary second half versus Duke. And um, getting him back in the fold, obviously, for, for Hubert Davis, for North Carolina, is, is very significant. Well, to your point about Manic, um, I do think they need to replace him um, yeah. with, with a similar type player. Not only because that's the way basketball is played in this era, um, certainly at the NBA level, but it's starting to happen at the college level as well um but but also because it it is the preferable way hubert davis wants to play obviously you follow college basketball even a little bit you know that traditionally north carolina was trying to play two bigs under roy williams and like who could argue with the results right 
multiple national titles. Um, Roy kept North Carolina at the tip top of the sport really in, until he decided to, to, to walk away last April. Um, but that style of basketball um, had become outdated. You know, um, uh, in Roy's final year, uh, they played Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks together a lot and like had Walker Kessler buried uh, on the bench. And so, you know, I, I know when Walker Kessler picked North Carolina on some level, like outside of the obvious, it's North Carolina. Why wouldn't you go to North Carolina on some level? It was like, why are you going there? They've already got two traditional bigs. And I think the argument on some level was, um, well, they always play a lot of bigs, so we'll figure it out. Um, but when Hubert Davis took over, he prioritized um, creating space to play in and doing it with a stretch four. Um, it's why he, you know, uh, recruited Dawson Garcia. It, it's um, it's why he recruited Brady Manick. And I remember being on the sideline for a North Carolina game um, in the non-conference portion of the schedule. And um, and we did a Zoom call the morning of the game with Hubert because this is before we were allowed to go to shoot-arounds uh, like the good old days. And, you know, we, we talked to Hubert about that. And he said that because in that moment, you got to remember, North Carolina was still kind of struggling a little bit. I mean, really, North Carolina was struggling until like mid-February. But um, North Carolina had year in and year out been one of the best offensive rebounding teams in America. And they just weren't anymore. They weren't getting those extra shot opportunities. And it seemed to be a real problem. And it was obvious what the root of the problem was. They weren't prioritizing it anymore. They weren't playing two bigs anymore. Um, you got fewer people around the rim. You got fewer people to offensive rebound. And Hubert just said, listen, I still want to be a great offensive rebounding team. But more than that, we want to be a team that creates space, that shoots it um, from at least four positions, and plays a more modernized style of basketball. And it was fair to wonder if that was a proper approach early in the season because it wasn't working too well from a win-loss perspective. But obviously, um, eventually, it clicked. And it didn't just click when the NCAA tournament started. Uh, the truth is Carolina started playing at a high level, you know, several weeks before the NCAA tournament started, uh, you know, recorded one big win after another. And over the final seven weeks of the season, they performed like a top three team in the country behind only Kansas and Texas tech, according to Bartorvik.com. So eventually it started working. And now if you're going to bring back 80% of your starting lineup, I, I feel like, it'd be preferable if you could replace Brady Manick with somebody like Brady Manick. I don't think you could find somebody as good as Brady Manick, but you need to find somebody who does the same things that Brady Manick can do because with all due respect to Puff Johnson, whose uh, mixtape with Leaky Black should be dropping any day. Um, I don't think you just want to go into this season saying, we'll just plug Puff Johnson in and, and, and keep rocking and rolling because um, there's a role for Puff Johnson on this team, but I, I think you know, ideally it's a it's a come off the bench role. Yeah, Puff, Puff is going to be a great player next season. Like what we saw, I think down the stretch of the season was kind of just some flashes of what we'll see next season more consistently. But Puff is not Brady Manic. They need someone who's who can really stretch the floor. Like Puff is Puff is more of a glue guy. He's going to be a good defender. He's he's got really good size. 
Uh, stat I saw on Twitter from from Brian Eves, who works at TV, has a lot of ACC stats. Uh, Love's return means North Carolina is expected to return 75% of its scoring from last season. That is the most returning scoring in Carolina history coming off of a title game appearance. Now, we'll see if it means anything. I think Brady Mannix's losses, again, it's it's fairly significant. They're going to have to figure out a piece that's going to play the stretch four. Um and love has been something of a loose cannon the last two years. I think if we're, if we're being honest, like he really came into his own down the stretch of the season, I think not coincidentally consi- coinciding with North Carolina's late season surge. Um, but, you know, as a freshman, he was a five-star, like didn't quite play like a five-star was considered to be like a potential one and done type player, obviously came back for a sophomore year. And really even after a really good, end of the season for North Carolina obviously came back and and is going to play at least one more season at North Carolina. So uh, you want to be able to see this more consistently from Caleb Love. Um, He's a gunner. He, he likes to shoot it. He has just a fearless quality about him as, as a scorer, as a, as a shooter, as a, as a guard um, that I think unlocked a lot of Carolina's potential down the stretch of the season. Um, I think if he's able to play at a more consistent level, next year like we saw at the end of the season uh that the north carolina is clearly going to be obviously their number one in the cbs sports top 25 and one they're clearly going to be one of the top teams in college basketball next season yeah and you know norlander and i talked about this on a previous podcast um when you put north carolina number one are you worried that you're just doing exactly what you did last off season with ucla a team that was you know up and down much of the season and then really took off in the NCAA tournament, and then they bring a bunch of interesting pieces back, and you 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 more or less disregard November, December, January. In UCLA's case, also February and early March, um, and just focus on the end. And though I, I recognize it's a fair point to make if you're trying to have a conversation about it, but I, I, I would push back on it a little bit. Again, UCLA was losing consistently until it got to the NCAA tournament, and then it took off. North Carolina was winning you know, for about the final three, four weeks of the regular season. Again, if you run the data from February 17th through the end of the season, which is a seven-week sample size, um, North Carolina was performing like the third best team in the country behind only Kansas and Texas Tech, according to BartTorvik.com. That suggests this wasn't just a team that got hot in, uh, in, in the NCAA tournament. Beyond that, you know, they finished higher at Ken Palm than UCLA did the year prior. North Carolina finished 16th at, at Ken Palm um, this season and um, entered the NCAA tournament in the in the top 30. If you go back to last season and look at UCLA, um, that that's a team that entered the NCAA tournament 45th at Ken Palm. So I just sort of push back on the premise a little bit that this is just a team that got hot in the tournament, like UCLA right. was just a team that got hot in the NCAA tournament. The last thing I'll say on this is um, I, I think it's interesting the way it comes together, and you sort of touched on it a little bit. One of my f- favorite college basketball stories of the past, I don't know, 20 years um, is the only back-to-back national champion we've had in, in a long, long time, and that's uh, you know Florida in 2006 and 2007. And it is obviously uncommon, especially in that era, to win a national championship and then return your entire starting lineup. But that is what Florida did. But one of the points I remember making back then was 
you have to look at the very specific circumstances under which this happened. And to that point, um, the, the, the thing that was obvious was you've got a unique uh, situation that isn't happening anywhere else. In other words, Joe Kim Noah was the star of the team. Best player, not best player, we could argue he was the star of the team. He was also the son of a professional athlete. He didn't need to get to the NBA to cash in or to take care of his family. These these sentences we hear all the time when people declare for the draft. Um, he was having a blast on uh, on a college campus, so he just decided to come back to school. Um, uh, Al Horford was the son of a professional athlete. It, Long story, not so long. These those Florida players, outside of Corey Brewer, probably didn't need to get to the NBA as quickly as possible to take advantage of this life altering money. And once the other four, and, and uh, Lee Humphrey wasn't a, a legitimate NBA prospect. Torian Green was a borderline prospect. And so once the other four come back, Corey Brewer was like, "I'll come back too, and we'll just try to do this thing again." And then they did. It was an incredible story. Uh, this North Carolina team is similar for different reasons. Um. They've got great college players, legitimate NBA prospects like Baycott and Caleb Love. I think both those guys will one way or another play in the NBA, but they're not obvious, undeniable NBA prospects. Like they're good enough to be great college players, good enough to maybe play in the NBA someday, but not quite good enough to where like if you're Ochai Abaji or, uh, you know, AJ Griffin or Apollo Bencaro, where you've just got to go to the draft right now because you can't leave all that money on the table. So this has been a common trend in college basketball in recent years. If you mm-hmm. look for who's going to be the best teams in the country, find teams that bring back guys who could have reasonably entered the NBA draft but decided not to for whatever reason. You want a great example? Kansas. Oche Abaji was this close. To staying in the NBA draft last year, decided to come back and ends up being the most outstanding player of the Final Four, leading a team to a national championship. There's there's one of those guys on most uh, NCAA tournament championship teams. And now, if you accept that Armando Baycott and Caleb Love could have both reasonably entered the 2022 NBA draft, um, then Carolina's got two of those guys coming back from a team that just played for the national championship. And then, of course, name, image, and likeness rights, I think, obviously play a role in this. Um, you, know, you know, whatever Armando Baycott or Kayla Love could have gotten to play professionally next season is probably dwarfed by what they'll be capable of making over the next year playing college basketball. Because what is your value to North Carolina boosters or anybody else um, when you are too? Um, well-known, accomplished, heralded basketball players at a program with the brand of UNC basketball. Like, that's worth a lot of money. So when these players, and not just the Carolina players, but anybody else who's doing something similar, Hunter Dickinson or you name it, um, when they come, it's like unfinished business, um, I just didn't feel like I'm done with college basketball yet. That's what Hunter Dickinson said. It's all great. I take all, but some of this is where were you going? And was it a place where you could make more money 
than where you're going to make playing than what you're going to make playing college basketball next season. And if the answer is, uh, I don't know where I was going and probably not, then this is a very sensible. In fact, I would argue the most sensible thing to do. It's great for college basketball and specific to the story. Uh, great for North Carolina because you know, who knows how the season will unfold, obviously, but uh, Hubert Davis heading into year two has a team that looks very much capable of, of playing for a national championship once again. Yeah. It reminds me of two years ago of Illinois a little bit, right? Where I would assume who comes back, Kofi Coburn comes back. Neither of those guys, I think at the time, would have been first round picks. Now, Desunmu comes back, improves his draft stock, goes to the draft. Now he's he's really latched on with the Chicago Bulls. Kofi Coburn comes back last year after testing the waters and is one of the best college basketball players in the sport. Um, but again, was not a definite first round pick. In fact, maybe not even drafted at all. Um, so they're in that kind of no man's land where what are you going to do? Do you, do you go to the draft? Do you maybe risk going undrafted or do you just decide to come back? And I think that decision now is made a lot easier with name image and likeness rights, because now Caleb love is, you know, one of the faces of North Carolina basketball, a huge brand, a team that is coming off a national title game appearance. They're going to be pot- potentially the preseason number one team in the sport. Same with Amanda Baycott. He's, you know, double-double machine. He's clearly the best player on, on North Carolina. And he's already cashed in on name, image, and likeness rights last year. Coming back next year for another season, I think, is, is going to be even bigger. So um, I think we're seeing kind of in real time the influence and, and the effect that name, image, and likeness is having on college basketball. For North Carolina, obviously, undeniably a good thing um so north carolina number one in the top 25 and one we're up to version 6.0 right now and ever changing um uh, for what it's worth i I currently have kentucky two baylor three houston four arkansas five gonzaga six ucla seven kansas eight duke nine tcu 10 and let me speak on gonzaga real quick and then we'll move on um because i've got some people like yo who like uh, Drew Timmy's a, a, a entered the draft. Julian Strother's entered the draft. They don't really have a recruiting class to speak of. Um, why do you have Gonzaga in the top ten? Well, you could just read. But short of that, I'll try to explain. Um, just because people enter the draft doesn't mean they're staying in the draft. And I perhaps Drew Timmy thinks he's staying in the draft right now. I just don't think he will. Uh, I think ultimately he's going to find out exactly what I just explained. He can make more money playing college basketball as of the as the face of the Zags than he can make playing professionally somewhere next season. So um, I don't really pay attention to when these borderline NBA draft picks declare for the NBA draft while maintaining their college eligibility, because all that means is uh, they still aren't quite sure what they're going to do. Like by definition, if you were entering a draft while maintaining your eligibility, it means you're not really sure what you're going to do. And I and and so I think that applies to every one of these people who say that except for Shaden Sharp because I'm confident he already knows what he's going to do. He's staying in the draft. He's not playing college basketball. Or I'd be shocked if he plays college basketball. That's why I've always had him projected not on Kentucky's roster next season. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm assuming uh, Timmy's back, Strother's back, those other guys are back. I, I don't have it right in front of me. But there's a scenario where, yeah, the Zags lose Chet Holmgren and um, Andrew Nimhard. But really bring back the bulk of that team that finished number one at Kempom. And for now, I am projecting 
Julian Strother and, and Drew Timmy to be a part of that. If they announce they're definitely not coming back to school, then that's how you get version 7.0 and 8.0 and 42.0. I, I suspect by the time we get to November, um, we could have 50 different versions of the top 25 and one. Um, but for now, North Carolina is number one. And though I'd never rule anything out, you start to look what we know they've got coming back and assume they're going to make additions to that. It's hard for I would I'm skeptical that anybody else will be number one in the top 25 and one at any point this offseason at this point, And I, I would not have necessarily said this, you know, three weeks ago. But at this point, given that all four guys I thought were coming back have said they're coming back. And then you've got Johnny Juzang leaving UCLA, Shaden Sharp, presumably leaving Kentucky. It looks to me like North Carolina probably uh, will and should be number one heading into the season. But as always, uh, we'll see. So Caleb Love's announcement this weekend that he's returning to North Carolina was probably the biggest announcement of any college basketball player in terms of impacting the tip top of the sport. But there was another interesting announcement uh, connected to Nigel Pack, Kansas State transfer, who is going to enroll at, at Miami. And apparently he's going to make some real money after he enrolls uh, at Miami, or uh, more accurately, some real money just by announcing he's going to enroll at Miami. We're going to get into that story next. But first, a word from our sponsor. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So it's another interesting development this weekend. Kansas State transfer Nigel Peck announced a transfer to Miami, and he's going to get some real money. He signed a two-year deal worth $800,000 plus a car with life wallet, which is a part of a, I did my life wallet research this weekend. Me too. Okay. Trivia time. Oh no. What is life wallet? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> life wallet. I had no idea until I like actually just started Googling. What is life wallet? It's a uh, part of a $32 billion company called MSP recovery. That's mm. mostly owned about 70% of it I read, by a trial attorney named John Ruiz. And this dude, John Ruiz, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to enroll at Miami right now. First and foremost, like what an amazing place to go to college. Like I, if I could do it over again, I would pick my college destination based on weather. Like I remember the first time I went to UCLA or the first time I went to Miami, I was like, why, why does everybody not go to school here? Like, why would you, what, like, Walk, and I don't mean this disrespectful toward any place. I'm strictly talking about weather. But, like, imagine walking to class in East Lansing, Michigan, or walking to class in Westwood or in, in, in Coral Gables. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a two different thing. So, this guy, and so I was interested in Miami independent of anything else. Add John Ruiz to the equation, and I don't know why everybody's not going to Miami. This guy is throwing around real money via NIL deals to Miami student athletes who are basically being asked to promote the life wallet app. Like that's your job. We're going to give you $800,000 to promote an app. Now we don't have to get it twisted. 
Nigel Pack is not worth $800,000 to promote an app. Like, honestly, if you were trying to promote an app, you'd be better off hiring me than Nigel Pack, right? So, so he's not worth that in a car to promote an app, but it, it doesn't matter. John Ruiz can give him whatever he wants and tell him his job is his responsibilities are, are to do this. And it's basically promote an app. So he's going to promote an app um, that enables healthcare providers to more easily access a person's medical history before treatment. It, it more or less allows you to store all of your medical and prescription information in one place instead of having to request request them one by one uh, from providers when you need them. So um, I'm not smart enough to know whether this is the future or not, but like <laughs> a guy who, who owns a $32 billion company thinks that it is. So I'll trust him. <laughs> he seems to be doing better in life than I am. Uh, so I'll trust John Ruiz, but he has now taken this company and turned it into an undeniable recruiting tool for Miami. Like Nigel Pack was a top two transfer in the portal, arguably, probably, depending on what you think of Kendrick Davis and the amount of years of eligibility left and all that stuff. And on a surface level, you might go, okay, but why? So why is he picking Miami? How many schools need a point guard who shoots above 40% from three? Um, Miami doesn't project as a team that's going to be a real national title contender next season. So why is he picking Miami? And maybe it's because of the weather. And maybe it's because he loves Jim Laranega. Both the things are both things are totally reasonable. I love Jim Laranega and the weather in Miami. But the most obvious reason is he could make $400,000 a year and have a car for promoting an app. And what I love most about the story is that it wasn't something you had to talk to, um, you know, a Kansas State assistant to find out about. Like, yeah, you know what's going on there, right? They just announced it. They were like, congrats to Nigel Pack. He's going to get a two-year $800,000 deal plus a car to promote Life Wallet. And what that suggests, if you're a Miami fan, is that he's going to be in college two years because he's not an incredible NBA prospect. And he already knows if he comes back for the season following this next season – that's another $400,000. So this is awesome. And I totally, like, I know some people like roll their eyes at it. I like throw my arms in the air and cheerlead it. I love it. Like young people making money uh, to play a business that is overrun with money is something that's long overdue. And I love that Miami didn't try to hide from this, that John Ruiz didn't try to hide from this, didn't try to make it about, I've always dreamed of playing in the ACC. No, bro, you're going to make $800,000. Congratulations. Shout out to John Ruiz dropping the absolute bag. Uh, he announced earlier this year that he's going to commit more than $10 million in funding for NIL deals. This is, I think we read the same, the same article, but oh my gosh. Uh, mostly for Miami and, and also for FIU players so far. But Nigel Pack taking up a huge chunk of that salary cap, getting $800K for a two-year deal. This, this was this was really awesome to see because yeah, they just like dropped the news. Like, Hey, we've come to an agreement. Nigel pack. He's getting the bag two years, 800 K we're getting him a car. Like it really felt like kind of a sea change moment in college basketball because for years, right. It's like, Oh, that guy, he, he probably got paid or, Oh, that guy, yeah. you know, like they probably took care of his family or I heard, you know, they, they got, they got him a house over in, in, uh, 
in Durham, like low key. Uh, My whole career, we've been hearing stories like that. Right. Oh, so hey, so why did so and so go to this place or that place? Because that seems a little odd. Like I remember, I don't want to get too specific because nothing ever came of this. But there was a bottom tier power conference basketball program in the South that got a commitment from like a top 50 player from the Northeast. Like this dude lived in Big East country and was being recruited by every Big East school. And when he announced where he's going to school, he picked this bottom tier power conference school in the South. And he was like, I, you know, I always dreamed of playing at this place. It's like, what? No, you probably didn't even know this place existed. What are you talking about? And, you know, you ask around and it's like, well, you know, this and this and that and that and whatever. And somebody got taken care of. Whatever. I, I, my whole career has been those types of stories everywhere. And I, you go on radio shows or wherever you get asked to, to talk about stuff. And people would sometimes, particularly when some sort of scandal, you know, was in the headlines, they'd ask you, what's it going to take to clean up college basketball? And I said, uh, change the rules. Like, like, Change the rules. That's the only way to clean up. You, you, what's it going to take to cut down on marijuana convictions? Make marijuana legal. People aren't going to stop smoking weed. People like to smoke weed. So if you want to cut down on marijuana arrest and convictions, well, then you, you take this thing that has been illegal and you say, it's cool now. If you want it, it's cool. We're not, we're not worried with that anymore. And this is the same type of thing. Not apples to apples, obviously, but you get the point. Um, there was always going to be a market for elite prospects in the sport of football and men's basketball at the very least. It has existed forever, since before I was born. And look at me. You know how long, long ago I was born? 28 it, years ago. 28 years ago. It was. It's always been a thing. So that wasn't ever going to go away, especially when coaches are getting paid more money than ever. Let me ask you a question. Let's say you are um, rooted to a strong uh, moral compass, right? Uh, but you're also a college basketball coach, and it's not going so well for you. You just had four straight losing seasons. You're on the final year of a $2 million contract. And you know that if you have one more bad season, that's probably it for you. But you also know that if you sign a top five recruiting class, they'll probably give you a contract extension. Yep. So you can get a five-year extension, they'll give you a raise. Five-year extension, $3 million a year. So you sign the number one recruiting class in America, might be worth $15 million to you. And job security. What would you do? If you if you look in the mirror and you go, man, I never thought I'd do this, start throwing around money to get players. But everybody else is doing it. You start justifying it however you have to justify it. And... uh I don't want to say everybody would compromise themselves, but I, I know a lot of coaches who have. Look, and on, the so, one hand, on the one hand, you can risk a show cause penalty. On the other hand, you can get possibly $15 million. Like, Oh, and the yeah. truth is, and the truth is you probably won't get caught. Exactly. Some people yeah. do get caught, but you probably won't. Like if you drive 90 from uh, on the interstate from your house to work today, you probably won't get a ticket. You might, but you probably won't. Um, and that that's, that's the, you know, that, that's a very sensible way of looking at it. So this was never not going to be a thing. Pay for play, um, 
you know, uh, that black market just disappearing. It was never going to happen. So what have we done with name, image, and likeness? We've turned it into a way to make these things, quote unquote, legal. Now, if you just want to be fundamentally bothered by money being a recruiting tool, then just, you know, go on Facebook and complain about it. I don't care. But you're not going to change it. Not now. In fact, you were never going to change it. It's just all in the open now. And it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, when Nigel Pack, how about this? If five years ago, somebody like Nigel Pack picked Miami as the most uh, desired transfer in the portal, people would have spent this weekend going like, why Miami? What did he do that for? What do you think? Did you think something happened? And now we go, uh, why Miami? Because John Ruiz stepped up with $800,000. Congratulations, young man. Like it just brings everything into the light and perhaps not everything. I don't want to overstate it, but most of it is now in the light. Like, uh, so why is so-and-so coming back to school? Cause he can make a lot of money being in school legally. Yeah. You know, I'm sure some booster connected to some school is taking care of this and, and uh, you know, everybody's getting the money that the market suggests is there for them. And Oh, by the way, all of these things are really bad news for the people who screamed and screamed and screamed for years. There won't really be a market for these players. Only a handful will get some. Nigel Pack just got 800,000 guaranteed. Nigel Pack. Don't ever, ever say again, I don't think there'll be a market for most of these guys. Nigel Pack just got $800,000. There is money to be made for lots of these guys. A really good player, Nigel Pack. Number two in David Cobb's transfer rankings. But yes, to your point, Nigel Pack just got 800000 Like The first time Nigel Pack's name has ever been mentioned on this podcast was today. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And he's going to be a really good college player for Miami. Um, but yeah, we're not talking about like the elite of the elite. Like If he's an all-conference player, that'd be a very good finish to his college career. Like He was a good player at Kansas State, shot above 40% from three in two seasons, Miami needed someone who could shoot the three. They were the sixth worst three-point shooting team in the ACC last season. Um, but yeah, like this is this is a significant deal. I think more so for college basketball, more so for Nigel Pack than it is actually for Miami or the ACC. He's going to be a good player. Um, but the fact that now we're just talking about people's bags in 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 this market, it it really kind of more more publicity, please, because I think the more we know about who is getting what. I think the more likely these players are going to more appropriately cash in on what their market value is. Nigel Pack worth two two years, eight hundred thousand dollars. Like if Nigel Pack is getting that bag, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be finishing their college career as as millionaires. Like maybe not even like great college players either, like good college players. So uh, it's it's really cool to see kind of the behind the scenes come to the forefront as like this is what the market is. Nigel Pack is worth eight hundred thousand. Um, I think I think we'll see more of this in in coming years for sure. Yeah, and it, I know there's going to be somebody out there who listens to this and then says, "But that's not really his market value. He can't provide eight hundred thousand dollars worth of value for promoting the Life Wallet app." And to that, I say, "Sure, I agree. I think that's been established. That's not the point. The market for these players was never going to be tied directly to the value they can bring to a business." It was going to be tied to how badly do these business owners want them in specific places. 
What is a baseball card worth? But people will pay millions of dollars for them, right? Because they decided this is what I'm willing to pay to have this thing in my home. Similarly, football players, basketball players, and I'm assuming it'll trickle into other sports. I know it already has on some level. Um, Somebody is deciding this is what I'm willing to pay to have this person play for my favorite school, period. And if somebody is out there deciding that, then that is what your market value is. Um, again, I think the baseball card analogy is pretty good. What, what, who, when did we decide that a baseball card is worth a million dollars? Or NFTs for that matter. Any yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Any of this stuff. Um, it's, if somebody decides this is what I'm willing to pay to have this where I want it, then that's what it's worth. And with a baseball card, you might pay to have it on a shelf in your office. And with a basketball player, you might pay to have it on the court at your alma mater. And it's all, you know, it, it's, it's all awesome as far as I'm concerned. This is, this is what I always hoped it would look like. Um, players recognizing they're worth a lot more than they've been getting and capitalizing on it, and nobody trying to hide from it or be embarrassed by it or be ashamed of it. Like, why am I going to Miami? Because I love Coach L, because the campus is beautiful, because the weather is amazing, but mostly because I'm getting $800,000 to promote an app. Fine with me. Sounds awesome. And what it also does is it shows other schools, like, I don't know that you've got to go this big, but you know, you better get involved because every year, every year, a player going to go in a transfer portal, no one, there might be an $800,000 deal at Miami for me. So at Florida State, what are you going to do? At Florida, what are you going to do? Like you're competing in the same state. And we already know that this is possible for a Nigel Pack level player. And I don't want to be dismissive of him. He's really good. Like, uh, uh, you know, um, an incredible shooter made 43.6% of seven and a half three point attempts per game this past season. He can play on or off the ball average 17.4 points, 3.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists. He's really good. Um, but like we ain't talking about a guy who was just a first team, all American or a second team, all American or a third team, all American. And he's getting $400,000 a year. Like that's what Miami's that's what a Miami based businessman has decided is the market value for a player like Nigel Pack. And I promise you every other player like Nigel Pack knows that that's out there somewhere right now. So if you are a coach running a high major college basketball program and you want to try to keep your players, um, you, you, you better have an understanding of, of what's happening now and, and how it's happening now, because it will be hard for a lot of places to keep their players if they don't have some version of John Ruiz working for them. Um, that might be an extreme example. In fact, I think it probably is an extreme example, but it, it exists. It's a real thing. And um, it is, it's where we're at with, with the sport of college basketball. Before we get out of here, a few other notable college players announced their intentions this weekend. SMU transfer Kendrick Davis said he's going to Memphis. St. Louis point guard Yuri Collins withdrew from the transfer portal and will remain at SLU at, at, at SLU. Um, Michigan's Hunter Dickinson 
uh, announced he's returning to Michigan. Um, out of those decisions, what stands out there? Kendrick Davis, for yeah. sure. Uh, chose Memphis over Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, Texas Tech, Houston. Well, let's, I mean, just stop, just, let's just stop right there for a second. Yes. Kendrick Davis, who has no ties to Memphis whatsoever, yep. decided to choose Memphis over Duke, even though Memphis has a looming NCAA case yep. um, hanging over the program. Like, I'm assuming, I'm assuming he knows it'll be worth his while. But also, have you strolled the campus at Memphis? It's beautiful. <laughs> it's actually, beautiful. It's 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 more beautiful. It's it's beautiful. I'll just keep it simple. <laughs> I, I, I I don't I don't I gain nothing by not. Agreeing I'm sure Memphis. With it. I'm sure Memphis is fantastic. It's a huge get for Memphis. Um, they've had a revolving door at point guard under Penny really since he took over, right? I mean, like Alex Lomax, really good college point guard. Tyler Harris, pretty good college point guard. Okay, pretty good. Uh, the upgrade that you're getting though from those players to Kendrick Davis Massive. is significant. I mean, I'm old. You may be old enough to remember this too. I'm old enough to remember when there was buzz that Penny was going to use Imani Bates as a big point guard, like a playmaker and in, in more of a positionless system. Like they really haven't been able to figure out what they're doing at point guard. And you can get away with that if you're super, super talented. And Memphis has been really talented. Um, and you can use multiple players to to kind of distribute point guard playmaking, however you want to do that. But I think to have a really good college team, you have to have someone who really establishes themselves as the clear cut distributor, point guard, whatever he's going to do. And Kendrick Davis is exactly that. He's I think he's the best transfer uh, this this cycle. Memphis is getting a immediate plug and play star player. Davis led all of college hoops in assist rate two seasons ago, something that John Morant once did, Trey Young once did. Just an elite court vision. Uh, and really, Memphis absolutely just fits exactly what they needed because last season they had the eighth worst turnover rate in college hoops. Um, so really what Kendrick Davis brings to the table and what Memphis has been lacking I mean, just just a match made in heaven. The last time Memphis had a competent lead guard was Penny's first year when he inherited Jeremiah Martin from, I guess, the Tubby Smith era, but Jeremiah Martin signed out of high school with Josh Pastor. So Penny inherited Jeremiah Martin, sort of turned the offense over to him, and he was excellent. Went on to play in the NBA. Great college player in that last year of college. Since then, it's been bad. I mean, they've had good point guards on the roster. Boogie Ellis, Damian Ba, but Penny always defaulted to Alex Lomax. Yep. Which is why if you're Damian Ba, you're like, all right, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to keep playing behind Alex Lomax. This is outrageous. And if you're Boogie Ellis, you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to keep playing behind Alex Lomax. It's silly. Um, Alex Lomax does have one year of eligibility left. It's unclear. He hasn't announced whether he's using it or not, but Penny has quite clearly decided um, it's time to upgrade. And it is a massive upgrade. Um, I, I'm not interested in in banging on Alex Lomax, but like yeah. he's he, he was a very very limited uh, point guard. Um, yeah. he, he did some things well, but he's a non shooter, non finisher. Turned it over often. Got better as the season progressed, but still just very very limited. And you now replace him 
with a lead guard in Kendrick Davis, who is um, terrific. And somebody in the comments pointed out that uh, Memphis does have on staff a former SMU assistant who worked with Kendrick Davis there. So if you want to call that a connection to Memphis, I guess, but sure. I, I'll just keep it simple. I don't think you pick Memphis over Duke because of um, a former SMU assistant. Like, I don't think that's the determining factor. It, it, it might be on the list somewhere, but like, we don't have to be naive about this. Um, so I think he's going to be terrific. And now you got to see how Penny's going to make up the rest of the roster. Lester Quinones is in the draft, but he's not draftable. I mean, you know better than I, you've got a big board. Lester Quinones even sniff it. No. No, right. So he's going through the draft process. If he listens, they'll say, go back to school. And then he'll have to figure out if he's going back to Memphis or somewhere else. Uh, DeAndre Williams appears to be coming back to Memphis. So if you can start with a core of Kendrick Davis, um, Lester Quinones, and DeAndre Williams, that's a pretty good core. Uh, still got some additions to make. Uh, you know, Caleb Murphy, um, uh, a transfer, was on the Memphis campus with Kendrick Davis. There's a lot of thought that Memphis will be able to get him as well. So I'm not ruling out that that Memphis could have a preseason top 25 and one team by the time the season begins, but I don't think the roster's there quite yet. Uh, at St. Louis, really interesting development. Yuri Collins, like six days after entering the portal, decides he's coming out of the portal. That sounds like one of those where, hey, I'm thinking about leaving, and then somebody says, hey, Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe okay. you should. We got you. We got you. Maybe you shouldn't leave. So he's back. Um, they got a St. Louis in recent weeks, got a commitment from Javon Pickett, the Missouri transfer. They bring back Gibson Jimerson, Francis Socorro, and Javante Perkins, who yeah. was their leading scorer two seasons ago, 17 points per game, was going to be on our preseason top 100 and one list of, of college basketball players heading into the season towards ACL last preseason missed all the season. Suddenly, if you go a starting lineup um, of Yuri Collins, Javon Pickett, Gibson, Jimerson, Javante Perkins, Francis Sakura, that's four guys who averaged double figures in points last season. Plus Pickett, who was the leading, I mean, plus uh, uh, Perkins, who was the leading scorer at SLU two seasons ago. Like that's a really nice starting lineup. I've got St. Louis in the top 25 and one. I totally agree with that. Um, I think Perkins is obviously the X factor coming off the ACL. He tore his ACL, like literally, I think the day before we dropped our top 100 player rankings, like he was absolutely in our rankings. We had to drop him out because he was obviously not going to play, um, the, the 2021, 22 season. But if he's back in anywhere close to what he looked like before he tore his ACL, I mean, St. Louis is like clearly a top 25 team, like maybe one of the best, I think clearly to me, one of the best in the A10. And then beyond that, like we'll see. Yuri Collins is, is a significant piece of that, averaged, you know, 11.1 points per game. He's improved every year as, as a playmaker, as a passer. Um, and I think really last season was was pretty big for him, playing without Perkins, kind of establishing himself as, as a better scorer. Now you get him back, Perkins back, like Billikens, Travis Ford, that's going to be a really good team next year. Yeah, I think in the A10, you're probably picking between them and Dayton. You know, yep. Dayton's bringing back most of a team that was the last team cut from uh, the at-large field. Uh, so you know, Dick, Dayton, St. Louis, in any order makes sense to me. But the A-10, at the very least, looks like it's going to have two top 25-ish type teams heading into the season. And then the the last thing I want to touch on, and we, we, we sort of explained this already, um, Hunter Dickinson announced he's coming back to Michigan. They're still waiting for some other guys to to make decisions one way or another. 
but this is the classic example of of what we talked about with North Carolina. You don't have a great pro option, but you are a great college player and you're at a big brand like Michigan and there's probably more money to be made um, at the collegiate level next season than there is at the professional level next season. So, you know, um, when this happened yesterday, it was like big announcement and I, like it is undeniably a big announcement, but a totally expected announcement. Mm-hmm. You know, when when players were once upon a time, theoretically at least, picking between whatever professional option exists or coming back to school for a scholarship and a cost of attendance stipend, when they were theoretically picking between those two things, sometimes whatever professional option exists is the better option. Like it's just time to earn a paycheck. But they're not picking between that anymore. They're picking between at least for players like Hunter Dickinson, uh, whatever professional option exists, which isn't great, I don't think, or real money at the collegiate level. So uh, he did exactly what I would have done and what I would have advised. Like, um, There's now a way to legally make a lot of money playing college basketball. And if you're a guy like Hunter Dickinson, a guy like Armando Baycott, a guy like Drew Timmy, in other words, somebody who is a great college player at a big brand who isn't an obvious first-round draft pick, um, it's probably smart to just take advantage of the college options that now exist. Yeah, and coming back, I think next season, it's probably going to be him or Trace, Dax- Trace Jackson Davis for Big Ten Player of the Year, at least preseason. Yeah. I mean, assuming Trace Jackson Davis is back, but I'm assuming he's going to be back for the yeah. exact reasons Hunter Dickinson is going to be back. Great college player at a big brand without great professional options. Come back to school. Yeah. And look, Michigan had a down year last year. I think probably in part because the two stud freshmen that they enrolled with uh, Musa Diabite and and Caleb Houston, they were just, they were good. I mean, they weren't, they weren't difference makers in the way that probably most freshmen five stars are. Um, And we'll wait to see if maybe they come back next year. Michigan is a different team, but Hunter Dickinson, again, like going to be the star of a, pretty good Michigan team that has a chance to be maybe meet the expectations that we had for them last year that they didn't quite fulfill Averaged 18.6 points per game, 8.6 rebounds per game last season, two, two time, all big 10 player. Um, just a, a really good college player, probably not going to be an, a really good NBA player or, you know, maybe in time he will be, I wouldn't have had him in my top 60 had he declared for the draft. Um, but yeah, this is this is again going back to to what we've talking about. Just an easy decision, I think, for him, knowing that you know he can be the face of a a huge college program, and now he's everything's above board. He can and cash in on whatever his value is. That's exactly right. And yeah. if Michigan can also bring back Caleb Musa, and there's some thought that they're in there deep with Terrence Shannon. Um, they, they, I don't know. If somebody reported that he was committed. Uh, oh, in the pre- in previous few days, um, or certainly in, in suggested that he was th- that has been um, like slowed down a little bit. But there's still some thought they could end up with Terrence Shannon. And if you end up with Terrence Shannon, bring back, you know, Hunter Caleb Musa, probably a preseason, yeah, probably a preseason top ten team, and you know, among the favorites, if not the favorite, depending on eye the beholder stuff. Yep. Um, in, in the in, in the Big Ten, so. Yeah, just to bottom line it, we'll get out of here. This is awesome for college basketball. I, I obviously can't put a number on it, but just trust me when I tell you a lot of these guys you're hearing who are coming back to school 
players we're familiar with, players we've watched flourish in the NCAA tournament or, you know, throughout a regular season. Um, a lot of these guys who are coming back to school would not be coming back to school without name, image, and likeness rights being an opportunity um, that is available to them. Um, so you can be frustrated if your school misses out on a prospect because you you couldn't create, your school couldn't create the same NIL deals that another school could create. You can be frustrated if you lose a transfer because that transfer appears to be looking for you know more money via name, image, and likeness. But um, you're not going to change it. And either way, this is a tool that is keeping great players in college longer than they would otherwise be in college. And you know nobody's ever going to convince me that that's a that's a bad thing. I'm for it. One of the worst things about college basketball, um, you know, over the past twenty or thirty years, is that it endures roster turnover um, at the top of the sport, uh, unlike any other mainstream American sport, and it makes it where even college basketball fans enter each season wondering who are these people. Um, and that's going to be less true going forward. Um, it's already clear with this offseason, um, the role name, image, and likeness is playing in keeping accomplished student athletes in college. And it, it's going to make the sport the sport better and um, easier to follow because you won't have to start in November trying to uh, look up and see, so who is this again? So who's this Who's Carolina's best player again? Um, you're going to know um, because you just watched them, you know, play uh, in an NCAA tournament and go all the way to the national championship game. This is great stuff for college basketball and uh, long overdue. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hawk. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to I Own College Basketball Podcast, dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify, five stars, nice review at Apple. We need nice reviews over at Apple. Like you take 10 seconds and type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't let them forget that. Don't let them shame us. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel by now, I don't know what to do. I've been asking you since November. Like, please just knock that out so I can stop doing it. And we will talk to you again on Thursday. Bye, Strong Jaw. Bye. Bye, YouTube. Bye. Till then, take care.